With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Welcome back to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Our focus once again is on the crash about a week ago of a self-driving Uber vehicle, which killed 49-year-old Elaine Herzberg as she walked her bicycle across a highway in Tempe, Arizona. And once again, we want to express our condolences to her family. We're joined in this edition by Alex Roy, an angel investor, endurance driver, author, and editor-at-large for The Drive. Thanks for being here, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. At thedrive.com, you've posted columns now about the tragedy, which you say isn't Uber's tragedy, it's ours. Well, yeah, in fact, I wrote that, um, the you know, I think about 36 hours after the crash, before the video was released, uh, after which I published another article really dropping the responsibility on Uber. But that doesn't, that doesn't uh, negate what I said the, in the prior piece, which is there, we have a broader conversation to be had about safety in general um, and, that, uh, and that the Uber incident uh, is actually more important in the, in the way it highlights general safety, even for human drivers and not just self-driving testing. Well, tell us first your thoughts about, uh, about Uber's role in this. Well, you know, because there's no you know, standard for what uh, the safety is, uh, the notion that one can test self-driving vehicles intended to be safer than human on public roads without standards for testing is, is absurd. And uh, as the video shows, there were so many errors cascading up to the uh, events and, and the death of Ms. Hertzberg that it, it's pretty clear that Uber abrogated any claim they could make to truly caring about safety. Alan? Well, yes. I mean, I, I agree that, that, um, that in fact, uh, this is a very, very high hurdle that one uh, has to achieve in order to go out there and uh, do it in public. Uh, but uh, but maybe uh, some are ready to go out there. The the unfortunate part of not doing it uh, in in reality and doing it only in virtual reality uh, through simulation or quasi virtual reality on a test track where you basically uh, design uh, scenarios and go and make sure that your software works. Uh, unfortunately, I think they only can take us so far because, um, because we just can't think of all the scenarios that we might encounter. Uh, crashes that involve injury and death are, are really rare events that bring together all kinds of, of nuances. And uh, we, of course, want to sit and, and think of all the possible nuances and make sure we have every situation. Uh, but uh, as we know, Mother Nature is Mother Nature, and um, she every once in a while throws us a curveball. 
And unfortunately, it may be uh, the only way for us to 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 see a curveball is to see a curveball. Uh, we can't imagine it. And so therefore, in the end, we if this is really going to deliver value, uh, we have to be at a stage where um, the reward is much more than the risk. And of course, that is a very, very difficult inequality uh, to uh, uh, to measure. And so we, of course, have to be extremely careful. Uh, but, uh, but in the end, um, uh, if we're going to capture the benefits uh, of reality, uh, uh, we're going to have to be in, in reality. And so uh, that's the situation in which we're, we're discussing and, and, and trying to, uh, to come to terms with. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's the part that really gets me is that, you know, I go to a lot of self-driving conferences and, and talk to a lot of startups and that the number of people in the sector with a, a really clear understanding, if not direct experience from the aviation sector, is much lower than it should be. Because if if you're going to test vehicles on public roads, the, you have to have the kind of redundancies that are been common in aviation going back, you know, 40 or 50 years. You know, Airbus and Boeing have been, you know, been, uh, I guess, publicly hashing out what the correct level of automation is in order to, to make commercial aviation truly safe. And so you have, you know, multiple redundancies, both in hardware and software. And you have redundancies in terms of, you know, the humans on the loop. That's why you have, you know, two, two people in the cockpit. And yet, you know, Uber here, uh, and I think this has already come out in a New York Times story a couple of days ago. Um, Uber elected to, to send out these self-driving vehicles without hardware redundancies. We don't know about the software redundancies and, and a single quote unquote safety driver who themselves uh, did not have, you know, a, uh, a level of training, you know, necessary or commensurate with the responsibility that that Uber was taking on deploying these vehicles, and that's very clear from from the video because not only is the safety driver not paying attention, uh, but Uber did not appear to have in place, um, you know, backups upon the the safety driver, such as a a driver monitoring system. Uh, or, you know, warning lights or, 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 or a disengagement warning system. And so, and, and so this is the, the kind of conversation really needs to be had. Uh, and it would appear, I think just from a story even from earlier today, uh, it, that the Kravchik made some remarks, John Kravchik from Waymo made some remarks at the, uh, National Auto Dealers, um, conference about saying that they would not have, have uh, had the, a crash had it been a Waymo vehicle. And that has to, has to be, come from a level of confidence that they have from having, you know, redundancies in their vehicles. And it's reflected in, in their disengagement rates and in the lack of incidents Uber way won't have versus Uber. So. Yeah, I agree. And, and, uh, that, uh, that announcement last night in, in Las Vegas, I think, uh, uh, what we, what Fred and I talked about in the last podcast, I, I sort of suggested that, Probably everybody uh, since uh, last uh, the, the crash a week ago has been uh, has been sort of putting together the scenario of what happened there and putting it through their simulations and looking through their databases as to had they encountered similar and what was the result and all those things and uh, uh, the fact that that Waymo did cease uh, their uh, driverless. Uh, 
um, um, tests uh, suggested to me that, in fact, um, uh, that uh, they felt that um, with respect to their technology stack, uh, they were really confident that this crash wouldn't have occurred if it would have been a Waymo vehicle out there. And John uh, basically said that uh, last night. Now, is he um, is he speaking out of turn or anything? I, I doubt it. I, I think if one looks at the at Waymo's uh, processes and what they've done in the past uh, nine years in doing this, uh, uh, they've been very methodical and they've been focused on um, building a technology stack that wouldn't require a driver that because um, I guess they made a decision some time ago that in fact um, uh, trying to rely on a human as a backup to basically uh, 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 rip their shirt open and become the uh, Superman or Superwoman and save the day in case something was about to happen uh, wasn't a realistic scenario in these things. And, uh, of course, this incident suggests exactly that, that, uh, that in fact, um, uh, Elaine was, um, should have been visible by the sensors on that vehicle at least 150 feet away, uh, three, maybe more than three seconds before the crash, for which that's plenty of time for the system to respond and, and avert uh, any kind of collision. And, um, and so the technology, as I've said, is, is this, this incident was probably in the sweet spot of a properly working technology. And I think Waymo at least essentially said that, that, that they feel their technology would have been this is, you know, this is a, uh, no problem. We got this one. Um, please cross in front of us. Um, have a nice day. Alan, I'm curious. I, you know, a lot of times, because, you know, I do the Atonicast podcast with Eddie DeMeyer and Kirsten Korosek, and we talk to a lot of people. And I can't tell you how many people we've interviewed were students of yours. Uh, and, and, and how I many of them read your newsletter? <laughs> it's very, it's, it's, I, I don't think there's any higher compliment. Uh, so, but I'm curious, you know, you, you, Going back quite a bit, uh, talk about you know, the uh, SAE automation level definitions. And I, I've seen you say right more than once that you feel that, that they should be revamped. And, and you, you classify vehicles, if I'm correct, or, or you, you posit that vehicles should be classified as, um, as driverless, uh, safe driving cars, and self-driving cars. Am I, am I Absolutely. Correct? I mean, I think they're the three classes of vehicles. And in fact, we need to start with the safe driving. You know, whether you have somebody in there or not, or whether you have your hands on the wheel or feet on the brakes or not, the thing should, should have systems in it that basically uh, don't let you do the wrong thing. And, and make the vehicle safe. And that's, that should be the starting point of everybody and, and have those actually work. And if, if, if the safe driving aspects of this, of the, of the Uber vehicle was there, it would have seen Elaine. It would have said, Hey, okay, you want to cross the road? Fine. There's nobody else around. No big deal. I'll tap my brakes and you go by. And, and but unfortunately, um, uh, People have been rushing to self-driving. I've got to take my hands off. And, and they, you know, this sort of old, what people even, even the, the, the 
U.S. Department of Transportation suggests that, you know, that's so old school. We, we were, we've been there, done that, and that was done back in 2015 or 2012. No, we're, we're not there yet. We need that safe. And then once we have the safe, maybe you let some people take their hands off the wheel and something. And if it's really good, we don't even need anybody in there and, it, and we can go forward. And I think that's been the approach as best that I can see. I have no inside information, but as best as I can see it coming out of Waymo and, and um, you know, hats off to them. So um, I just want to understand for, for clarification purposes, you, I, in your mind, what is the difference between a self-driving car and a driverless car? The self-driving car, you may want to go from from place A to place B where where the system isn't good enough to handle it for whatever reason and you think that a human is better off you know grabbing that wheel and doing it so let's take let's take the the gm system they've suggested that it works really well and has no problems uh, on the 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 divided highways that they've um, that they've tested this thing on and that's good enough but but the thought that that, that a Cadillac uh, CT6 can take you from a dinner party uh, to home uh, when maybe you've had uh, too many alcoholic uh, adult beverages is just you know is 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 not true because because in some sense it can't get itself out of the parking lot to the freeway where it will work. You need a human to do that. So that that's the that's a self-driving piece. It, it does it in some places, but not enough places to provide mobility. The, the driverless piece is the piece where, in fact, it can go all the way from A to B, where it picks you up outside of the lo- local, you know, um, watering hole and takes you to your front door and you can crawl into your bed. And so, you know, that's a completely different system. And in fact, you know, what's what's the... What's the most important part of the driverless is that it then allows the vehicle after you get out of it to take itself to the next trip that it's going to serve. This empty vehicle management and repositioning that is fundamentally important if these things are really going to provide mobility to folks. And so, you know, as they take you to the suburb, it can then come back in and pick up somebody else and take you out there. The value of a taxi driver, the value of an Uber or Lyft driver is not really to drive the two of us. We could do that if we needed to. The value is, is to get that vehicle to where you, you can then use it as mobility and it take you and drop you off and take it to the next place. And to do that, there's nobody in the vehicle. And and so you really need this extra level of capability, and it can only do that in the so-called geofenced areas where the situations are such that it can handle it, and under maybe weather conditions or other conditions in which it actually works. You know, if it's a if it's a uh, a very bad snowstorm, hey, it doesn't do it. If there's fog, absolutely not. Um, and so on. So, you know, those, those are the reasons why the, 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 the three, those three classifications are so darn important. And I think people are all confused with those SAE levels, one, two, three, four. I mean, it's just so good. It's so, 
It's so pinhead engineering, you can't believe it. So uh, what, I, what I've been grappling with, and I don't have the answer, I'm, I'm hoping you have a better answer than I've come up with, is under what circumstances can a company, and I, I guess it's going to be Waymo, actually make a, a safe, a, a driverless service available unless there's a, a metric for, for safety? Uh, you know, if it seems that Waymo is on track to release, to announce a commercial service without a government, uh, without a regulatory standard. And, but if we don't know what Waymo's standard is, uh, what is to prevent someone else by saying, oh, we're ready to? Well, I think that, that, uh, the only thing to prevent it and what I've been saying, which may be better than regulation, because of course, setting that standard is non-trivial is is basically corporate ethics and uh and and proper due diligence uh on the corporate level um this my view is is that this crash of uber may in the end cost uber 10 percent of its current uh, valuation uh and that is an enormously big number uh, and and I think that they didn't realize for some reason that maybe they were liable to that big of an expense. Uh, but, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that and, it, and in the end, it may cost them their their whole uh, uh, valuation because they may end up losing. And and so therefore, um, um, you know, a startup can't really go out there and be a loose cannon on the streets because they have one incident and it doesn't have to be as bad as this one. They're basically bankrupt and their valuation goes to zero. Uh, General Motors really can't go out there and have a situation that happened uh, such such as we, we saw last week because their stock price will go down and 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 Waymo Alphabet is in the same situation. So the fact that they are moving forward, they must have extreme reliability internally by their internal management system that says, "My goodness, uh, this is this is a responsible move by us, by which we think that the societal benefits associated with this." as well as the ultimate financial benefits associated with this, uh, greatly outweigh uh, the risk. And, and in some sense, you know, I can sometimes argue that, that, that that is even greater than any legislative thing that a, that a city, state, or a federal government can come up with. Um, and so, you know, I'm sort of, re- I'm, I'm kind of a marketplace person on this one. And, and I, I, I don't know that I'm right, but that's the argument. That's the arm waving that I do uh, when confronted with that question. Alan, you're thinking, you're thinking then that the, that the example of Uber is going to be enough to prevent others from making the same well, mistake? Well, we saw what Toyota did. They stopped theirs. We saw what uh, Newtonomy did. They stopped their testing. Why? Probably because they went into their simulators and said, whoa, geez, my goodness, uh, maybe we don't have our ducks in line. And, uh, and so, yeah, some people are going to drop out. And I can't imagine that Waymo, after, after investing all that they've invested, 
done all the homework and all the, the hard work that they've done over these years, then go in there and do a complete reevaluation of where they are. And they must have come out and said, geez, we think we've done good work. It's, it's not that Mother Nature isn't going to throw them a curveball that, that nobody's seen before. And, 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 and she could, but, but, uh, but they must feel, they must feel confident that, 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 that the overall benefit, not only financially to them, but societally is so great that, that really the next step for them to be able to move forward is to go ahead and, uh, and, uh, take the risk. Just a couple of other quick things here. Alex uh, and Alan, you both have serious concerns, I think, about the way police in Tempe uh, have handled this investigation and their public statements, especially at the outset here. Well, it's very obvious that the Tempe police were not qualified to uh, understand what it was they were looking at or even investigated on their own. Uh, You know, the fact that the initial video that was released, which was a dash cam video, it would appear that that dash cam was not in any way connected to or part of Uber's system. That that that, that dash cam video was so dark, right, the quality of the dash cam was terrible. That and that the police looked at that dash cam and di- didn't understand that the what the dash cam saw was not what the car saw or even the safety driver saw. And then they went on to make the statement that the crash was almost certainly unavoidable and that Ms. Hertzberg, you know, darted out of the shadows. It, it just says a lot about just about the ignorance pertaining to self-driving in general. Uh, I'm quite sure from my experience talking to le- legislators and regulators that many of them don't understand what it is they're looking at or talking about. And, and this isn't, this isn't new um, and specific to the, to the Uber crash because we've had, you know, automatic emergency braking systems on vehicles for several years, not all vehicles, um, and a variety of um, radars uh, and cameras uh, and, and I guess, you know, safety packages sold as part of, you know, ADAS systems. But, but just because two different cars have both have automatic emergency braking does not mean that they behave similarly or that they will react similarly um, because – even if the hardware is identical, uh, you know, manufacturers can insert software layers which will change the behavior. And a great example is that the you know Mobileye IQ3 camera on, on the Teslas uh, going, you know, from the 2016 2017 uh, is installed in other vehicles. And uh, and Conti and Bosch make you know radar units. Many cars have these units, and yet a Tesla on autopilot behaves very differently and is capable of more and different things. Than a Mercedes E-Class, which on paper has a better hardware suite. And so we need testing standards, not just for self-driving, but testing standards for the individual functionalities that are being marketed to people today. Uh, because if you are evaluating two cars and you look at the you know um, crash tests and you look at the IIHS tests, they don't tell the full story of how really s- safe that car is. Because a lot of people are just going to assume they don't have to brake because the car will do it for them, and that's not uh, true. that's that's a great comment. I mean, you know, the the, the Volvo uh, AEB, uh, as of their um, their uh, uh, literature in 2016, its um, uh, pedestrian detection system works between the speeds of two miles per hour and 30 miles per hour. 
Oh my goodness. Um, uh, this vehicle was going, what, 40? Did Uber build its technology stack on top of the Volvo uh, automated emergency braking that, you know, beyond 30 miles an hour says, well, uh, if we were going under 30, that would be a pedestrian, but we're going over 30, therefore we're going to disregard it. And therefore, oh my goodness, uh, the whole system breaks down. And so I'm not suggesting that that was the logic, but that, that could be the logic. And, and you ask the question, well, why would, would Volvo only uh, limit pedestrian detection to 30 miles per hour? Well, the reason is, is if you go faster, whatever system they're using has a, has a higher uh, rate of false alarm. And so, of course, they don't want the brakes being, being put on if it really isn't a pedestrian because it's going so much faster. So therefore, to avoid the false alarm problem, uh, because the system really isn't good enough, they turn the thing off. When they turn the thing off, guess what that does? It creates false positive situations that have the result of maybe what happened a week ago. Oh my goodness, uh, we've just been bit in the hind end. So these systems and, and their logic and where they operate, all the details are really important. And, and, um, and I'm, I, you know, Uber has good people working on this. I can't imagine that, that that's what screwed them up here. But uh, boy, it, 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 uh, whatever. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, I think both of you are, are of the firm opinion that Uber has to make all of the data public. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, however, I don't believe they will. I think there's going to be, they're going to settle with the family of Miss Hertzberg and nothing's going to be made public unless there are serious you know, regulatory or governmental you know, action is taken. Uh, because of course, if, if, it, if it is revealed how, uh, if it is revealed that how weak their program is, and I fear that it is, they've had a lot of turmoil there in the last year. Uh, they have a much deeper, uh, you know, business level. Problem. Alex, Alex, they must release all the data. If they don't release all the data, it really means exactly what you said, that they are really weak. And if they're that weak, they should get out. That's probably what they should do. Well, that's a terrific discussion, guys. And that is it for this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Don't forget to get info on the Smart Driving Cars Summit coming up at Princeton University this spring. That's May 16th and 17th. Find details at summit.smartdrivingcar.com. You can find Alex Roy at thedrive.com, and you can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at smartdrivingcar.com on iTunes, Google Play, and more, and look for my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.